Welcome to the Startup Grind Podcast. Startup Grind is the world's largest independent startup community, inspiring, educating, and connecting millions of entrepreneurs across the globe in partnership with Google for Startups. These are the stories of disruptors, innovators, and game changers from the fastest high growth companies and venture capital firms in existence. Join us as we unpack their strategies, learn from their mistakes, and grow together. There's no time to wait. So let's begin. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone, to the Startup Grind podcast. It's your boy, Chris Jonu from Melbourne, Australia, and I'm incredibly proud to be rebooting this thing and relaunching it. Um, if you're like me, you know, just waiting for that next episode to pop up, and it never did. It was so sad. So sad. But my promise to you, it's not going to happen again. We're going to be delivering one, two, two, not over committee, two podcasts a week. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, got to make up, make up for lost time. We're doing two podcasts a week where we'll be delivering the best content from founders around the world and Silicon Valley, you know, to keep you guys inspired and pumped up on this entrepreneur journey, the crazy journey of entrepreneurship. And to kick things off, we're starting with one of my favorite interviews from the APAC Regional Conference in Melbourne. Join us for our summer in December, if you can make it, uh, where we had TV host and media personality Jules Lund turned founder, now the founder of Tribe, Influencer Marketplace. He got uh, just sick of making all that money. Thought he'd give, his, give it a shot, founding a company. And he's doing really well. So good on him. Good on, good on you, Jules. And we had him interview the one, the only superstar, legend, Guy Kawasaki, the wise guy, chief evangelist for Apple and now Canva, on stage. And it was a lot of fun. They just went back and forth and uh, were making everyone laugh, which you don't hear often from a, from a tech conference. But it was a lot of fun. It was really lighthearted, and I thought it'd be a great one to start with. Hope you enjoy it, and um, welcome back. The one, the only, the wise guy, Kawasaki. Please put your hands together. <laughs> so I'm going to get you guys standing ovation, and you haven't said a word. Thank you. You deserve that. I'm going to get you guys to help me out with the intro. So how many books has Guy authored? 15, oh well picked. Do you work as part of his team? <laughs> Excellent. How many times did Guy quit Apple? How many? Twice. Twice. Is that correct? Yeah. Great. Everyone who gets a, a, an answer correct, Guy's going to give you $1,000. <laughs> Australian or yeah, US? Yeah, it's only six US bucks. <laughs> All right. What year did Guy become chief evangelist for Canva, the online graphic design tool? What year? I don't even know shit. <laughs> Does anyone have a stab? Come on, guys. You're entrepreneurs. Where's your sense of adventure? 2014. Extra points for the name of the anti-social social app that he's helping build. You just heard from the founder. What is it? Privy. Privy. He's a brand ambassador for Mercedes-Benz. What sport did he recently take up? Basketball, surfing, no, I think he's been doing that for a while. Cricket? Cricket? <laughs> Cricket? I don't know. Come on, try harder. Lawn bowls? Lawn bowls. <laughs> Tell us, guy. 
I don't know what you're talking it's about. Ice hockey. Oh, oh. No, I, I took up I took up ice hockey 14 years ago. It's oh, okay. Surfing. Surfing. Surfing's how, a recent one. How many do you how many of you surf out here? You know the Lane Beachley speaking here tomorrow? She's awesome. I I went to Manly a few days ago. <laughs> of course, there was no waves, but she took me to her house. She showed me all her boards and all that. I'm going to buy a board from her. Uh, for, yeah. for my daughter, I can't surf you know, a five-foot-five five board, but uh, it was tremendous. Be sure you come tomorrow and watch her speak. She's I awesome. I think they all will. You will come, won't yeah, you? Yeah, she's awesome. All right, yeah. let's begin. It's funny you should say that. A lot of, um, a lot of people call my body Bondi because it's far from manly. <laughs> All right. I bet that's the first time you ever told that joke. Huh? Shut up. <laughs> um, I mean, let's be honest. You knew more about Guy than Guy, so let's go to the morning tea. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so, so um, here's a bit of context. Like, as I was mentioning, so I've, I've founded my own marketing tech company, having never studied marketing tech or know how to run a company three years ago. And so my job today is, as well as extracting some learning um, and wisdom out of Guy that might be different than some of the, the videos and the, and the stand-ups that he's done uh, across the globe, it's also probably to normalise the turbulence that entrepreneurs are feeling. How many of you are in a startup? Yep. No, everybody. So almost everyone here. Everybody who's not a surfer. Everyone who's not a surfer. Um, and I've got to be honest, I'm not sure if I would have started my company had I known the sacrifice and how hard it has been. So today, a lot of the, the, the discussion that we'll have, fair enough, <laughs> a lot of the discussion will be about you guys in your own respective things, realizing that it's, it's pretty normal to be experiencing those things and it's, you know, you're biting off more than you can chew at different times. And that's what the discussion will be because obviously you're a very calming, uh, warm individual um, so <laughs> that will be uh, a, a Are we great... going to have a question here? Yes. Or what? Okay. We are. <laughs> All right, here's the first question. <laughs> first question, why don't more companies have evangelists? It seems like you're the only one with that job title. Well, I mean, there was Jesus before me. Um, <laughs> you know, it, I, I think it's because there's a, obviously a, a religious connotation to it. And so many people in a secular business would be uncomfortable with evangelists. And now, uh, there's also a lot of confusion between the word evangelism and evangelical, which is very different, right? Uh, particularly in the United States, evangelical is a very different word since 2016. Yeah. So uh, it's that. But you know, it, it's, in the secular sense, evangelism comes from Greek roots, meaning bringing the good news. And so in my first role as an evangelist, I was a Macintosh evangelist, so I brought the good news of Macintosh, that it would make you more creative and more productive. And now, in the, in the last job of my life, uh, I'm the chief evangelist of Canva out of Sydney, and I'm bringing the good news of Canva. How many of you use Canva already? Yeah, so, so Canva is good news. It makes you be able to create great graphics, right? That's an empowering, it's democratizing design, it's good news. So uh, the key to evangelism is that you have good news, because it's, it's very easy to evangelize good stuff. It's hard to evangelize crap. <laughs> Trust me, I mean, I've tried. So, you know, I could, for example, if Microsoft called me up, I could not evangelize Windows. Um, 
So, <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's the shtick on evangelism. And you wrote a book on social media in yes. 2014. Um, no doubt there was a few predictions in there. What did you get right and what did you get wrong? Uh, really, you know, there were no predictions in there. Uh, in the sense that it's not a predictive kind of book. I'm, I'm not trying to position myself as a visionary, uh, you know, this kind of person. I'm not a visionary. I'm just a marketing guy. And so the art of social media, and all my books really are extremely tactical. It's how to optimize social media. It's not the future of social media, because I, I think that's all bullshit anyway. So uh, it's how to use, my book, The Art of the Start 2.0, is how to be an entrepreneur. It's not about you know, the futures of entrepreneurship. How has your hunger and drive evolved over time? It's decreased. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I've, listen, I'm 64 years old, and I have four children, and the youngest two are 13 and 17. And so, I've, you know, two-thirds of my life at least are over. And at that point, you have a very different perspective. Like, I don't want to be CEO of another company. I don't want to be Melanie Perkins. I'm just thrilled to work for Melanie Perkins, but I don't want to be the CEO anymore uh, because my days are limited with my children. That's the limiting factor on my life. And, I don't think at any, well, unless you're a psychopath, I don't think most people at the end of their life are going to say to themselves, God damn it, I wish I worked more. Yeah. <laughs> so I figured that before I did. So uh, I just, I just want to spend time with my family and, and surf, basically. Um, one quality that I, I think a lot of us would all share is, is doubt when you start. Really? Well, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll ask them. I mean, I, I feel that in Australia sometimes, and even you were saying it out the back, sometimes you do feel, not only in Melbourne but in Australia, that there is a bit of an inferiority complex around entrepreneurship. We feel like we're missing out. We feel like we might be outclassed. Um, and I, I think when the going gets tough, I think there's times you go, am I kidding myself here? Yeah, well, let me tell you something. Um, there's only two kind of entrepreneur, okay? One entrepreneur is scared. The other one is lying. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, by definition, if you're an entrepreneur, you should be scared. If you're not scared, you're stupid. You're a psychopath. You, you have no idea. So if, now, you know, there's an issue of, you know, you want to appear like this, you know, big dog on the porch, fearless, visionary, you're going to change the world, dent the universe, whatever, right? It's, you know, you know it and I know it. It's total bullshit. You know you don't know where, where the next uh, uh, venture capital fund is coming, if it's coming. You don't know if your potential partnership is going to work. You, you have no idea. You should be scared. You have every right to be. You if you're not scared, you're stupid. Mm. Those are the only two conditions. So you should be scared. Fear is a good thing. Um, you know, when I worked in the Macintosh division, there were times where Steve Jobs would just pick on somebody, like, you know, pick on that guy and say, who hired him? Who hired him? I want to know who hired him. Why is he still working in our division? And I saw that happen a few times, and I said, shit, man, I am never going to be that guy. And so, so I will tell you that the fear of embarrassment and the fear of failure was a fantastic motivating force. And, you know, in this kind of time, 
it's all about political correctness that, you know, he and I should meet, we should develop goals that we agree on, and I'm going to focus on the positive and, you know, not accentuate the negative. It has to be an uplifting, positive experience. Well, that is not exactly how Steve Jobs ran the Macintosh division. Mm. And so, you know, I woke up every day scared that he was going to pick on me, so I did the best work of my life. What did Steve Jobs fear? I mean, did he ever second-guess himself? Uh... Not in my presence. <laughs> I, you know, I suppose at some level he must have feared something, but yeah. let's just say Steve Jobs is about six standard deviations beyond most people. And he, to put it in technical terms, he had a different operating system. <laughs> and um, I don't think, you know, I consider myself one, I don't think mere mortals can understand his operating system. And so it's very difficult to define that. Uh, it's also very dangerous to try to emulate Steve Jobs. Yeah. Because um, there has been, I think, in the history of American business, I would say there's been Walt Disney, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk. You know, there's like three, four, maybe five people who truly were visionaries. Mm. So, and they're very, they're wired very different. Yes. What is the right type or what is the right amount of madness for an entrepreneur? Well, it's more than you think it would be. Yeah. Uh, I, I think fundamentally entrepreneurs are misfits and they see the world differently. Um, this, is, this is why it's so hard to judge an entrepreneur at the seed stage. You know, like many venture capitalists will tell you, we invest in people. And, and we, you know, we, we, are, we, we value world-class teams the highest. But the truth is that at the moment that you have to squeeze the trigger and invest in a company, you have no idea what you're investing in. Mm. And yeah, sure, we can sit here in 2018 and say, yeah, we knew Steve Jobs was the world's greatest entrepreneur. Mm. Well, who knew that in 1976? Right, so you know when he's he's in a garage and you know he hasn't finished college and all this kind of stuff. You wouldn't exactly in 1976 you would not have said this is a world class entrepreneur. So the the key to this honestly is hindsight. Yeah. Uh, it's very difficult to know with with foresight. And I love to use this analogy, and I use it all the time for Silicon Valley investment, which is we throw a lot of stuff up against the wall. Some of it sticks. We go up to the wall. We paint the bullseye. We, stay, we hit the bullseye. <laughs> so there's your tweet. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's how it's done. I, I don't want, you know, Silicon Valley is not unicorns and pixie dust. I mean, we just. Yeah. So if I were to invest in you, and let's say that Tribe comes to be this great company, of course I'm going to say, oh, shit, of course I knew Jules was a great entrepreneur. That's, that's what I'm paid for. I recognize talent. But if I made a bet on you and you failed, I would say, my partners did that deal, not me. I thought it was an <laughs> asshole. So You'd both be right. <laughs> um, you spent how long in the valley? Uh, well, it depends how you, you mean from birth? or. Yeah. Uh, well, I was born and raised in Hawaii, and I went to Stanford in 72, so, you know, roughly 72 to today. I mean, yeah. longer than you've been alive. I'm not good at maths. Yeah, I was born in 79. But yeah. is there a... Um, when does the valley mindset work 
for people, and when does it work against them? Uh, when, you, uh, when you say for people, you mean in the sense of willing to take risks? Like really for instance, to... you know, yeah, absolutely. Do you get in there and you feel invincible, and you go, wow, that is a... That is a, a lens that I'm looking at the world through that is unique and empowering and inspiring. But also, do you get, is there a valley mindset that actually holds people back? Well, I, I, I like to burst your bubble. I don't think anybody, any rational being in the valley or anywhere has that mindset like, you know, I'm invincible, I'm going to whatever. I mean, yeah. Yeah, to use a surfing analogy, you know, I don't think Lane Beachley before every contest says, I'm invincible. I don't think Garrett McNamara goes to Nazare uh, and says, you know, sees this 90-foot wave and says, I'm invincible. I can beat that wave. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, fear is a very healthy thing. I mean, it makes you train harder. It makes you, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so when does it hold you back? Well, you could make the case that obviously there's going to be doubt. So the question is not whether you have doubt or not. The question is whether you can push past the doubt. Yeah. And so I think doubt is a helpful, helpful thing. If, on the other hand, if you have so much doubt that it's paralyzing, then obviously yeah. that's a non-starter. But I, I would not say that you know, doubt is a sign of weakness. I think doubt is a sign of intelligence. It's whether you can push past the doubt that separates you. Well said. Um, you've invested and advised a lot of startups. Mm -hmm. What's the most common reason some of them don't take off? Is there a... Lack of sales. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the leading cause of failure in tech startups is death. <laughs> so, okay, so obviously I'm, you know, being facetious, but it really... <sighs> Let me tweet this, okay? This is the greatest wisdom you're going to receive today. <laughs> S yeah, where's the mic? <laughs> Sales fixes everything. That's it. You can talk about all the strategic partnerships, all the potential, all the patent pending, curve jumping, paradigm shifting technology you have, all the interests you've uh, witnessed, all this kind of stuff. All of that is meaningless. Sales fixes everything. So when you have sales, it's easier to recruit. It's easier to keep people happy. You can pay for the foosball and the ping pong and the free food. You know, your investors who are on 10 boards, nine of which have no sales, they're triaging those nine. Guess who they're going to leave alone? You, because you have sales. So the key is do whatever it takes to get sales. Sales fixes everything everything. Bandwidth is a, a constant battle as an entrepreneur. Um, I've heard you talk about defaulting to a yes, yes. mindset. Um, when does that become counterproductive? Because as a founder, I'm actually trying to master no. Well, so uh, to give you more insight into what he just said, um, one of my theories is in life, you should default to yes. That you should always be having this attitude of yes, uh, until proven no, good until proven bad. And I think many people walk around saying, you know, the default is no, so you have to, you have to argue me out of that position. And I, I, I try to always uh, default to yes, because it has paid off, honestly, that 
Mm. I have met people, I've started relationships, I've done things, I've had adventures, like a lot of things because I defaulted to yes. And a lot of people, they have a very different attitude that, you know, that, you know, what's your credentials? Who introduced you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I, the, I, my, my belief is that the rising tide floats all boats. Mm. And when I first got involved with Canva five years ago, I literally, I didn't know who they were. My, my, my virtual assistant was using Canva to create graphics. And one day, you know, Cliff and Melanie reached out over Twitter to me and I had to ask my VA, is this the company you're telling me that you're using to make our graphics? She said, yes. And I said, well, should I help them? And she said, yes, that is a very good company. And that's why I got involved with Canva. It's not like I said, well, you know, who are their investors? What school did they go to? What degrees do they have? How much traction do they have already? It was literally, my VA said, yeah, cool company. You ought to help them, guy. And the rest is history. And, you know, but, but when Canva has a liquidity event and I'm like humongously rich because of it, I'm going to say, I knew Cliff and Melanie were world-class <laughs> entrepreneurs. I knew there was great potential. I knew that everybody had to create graphics because... What we're good at in Silicon Valley is declaring victory. <laughs> we know how to, and some, that's something Australians are not that good at. You, know, you don't know how to declare victory. Um, I can teach you that. I can teach you. You just, yeah, you need to fake it till you make it. All right, trust me, that, we are very good at that. Is budding entrepreneurs, your idea is everything, and your idea is also nothing, because you know, you, yeah. you, you're nothing without your big idea, but yeah. um, uh, it means nothing without 99% execution. Right. What is your view on those people that have the big idea and are really cagey and don't want to share it, versus those people that know that their idea could get yeah. ripped off, but they scream it yeah. from the rooftops for the network? Uh, in my humble opinion, as I've gotten older and older, I've come to the opinion that ideas are easy, implementation is hard. So it's really about implementation. You know, if I just told you, well, why don't you have an online graphic service to design all types of graphics with pre-made templates so people can create a beautiful graphic in less time it takes to boot Photoshop? That's a brilliant idea, but try to make it happen. I mean, I see how much it took to make Canvas successful. So I, I think ideas are easy. I can give you good ideas all day long. You know, have a, have a really stable, easy to use operating system for computers. That's a multi-billion dollar idea. Knock yourself out, try to make that, right? <laughs> so, so I would also say in a, in a more negative sense that if you are telling me that simply the knowledge of what your idea is renders it defenseless, you don't have a viable idea, right? If you just told me the idea for Tribe, that we're gonna enable influencers to you know, create content for a bid and then the brand can buy it, and if you told me that idea, and now I've told it to you know, another thousand people, um, if you told me that me just understanding and telling it, how do you know I'm not gonna get on a United Airlines plane tomorrow, go back to the United States and you know, say, okay, so here, I found this great idea in Australia, here we're gonna rip it off, right? But you know how hard it would be to rip that idea off. If it's that easy to rip it off, you don't have a good idea. And I will find you. <laughs> I know you don't own a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs a gun in Australia? No, nobody huh? is. Well, with the freaking snakes and spiders, why exactly do you need guns? Right. Right. Jesus, 
You know, can I just tell you, like, um, I want you to know where I stand politically. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't have that. I, I have to tell you, I love Australia. It, it, it's like coming, coming from America. So first of all, you have gun control. What a concept. Not everybody needs an AR-15, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah, right? And then, unlike my country where we're trying to restrict people from voting, you require people to vote. What a concept. Like, we're three for three. And then, I fly domestically. I flew to Gold Coast the other day. I flew to Melbourne the other day. You don't require ID. What a concept. I don't see planes being hijacked every day. And then you have... We can't be stuffed. We're usually drunk. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and then you have this amazing thing called flat whites. Well, what a great country. I mean, I just, I just love Australia. Yeah, yeah, but be careful asking for a long black. When you oh, go, yeah. What's a long black? Well, it's just, you know, when you talk about our drinks, they sound racist when you go over to, yeah. uh, over to America. But no, but what is... Or, or derogatory. What, what it, that's not the... It's the, Americano. Oh, oh. I thought it was a rugby team. Um. <laughs> They're wide blacks. <laughs> well, isn't, you guys play cricket here? Yeah, occasionally. Yeah, so, isn't there a term in cricket like rolling a Chinaman? I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not there going is, there. Right? Anybody, is that true? I isn't don't know. Such a thing We've as actually, rolling? to be honest, it's taken us a little bit longer to catch up. And uh, we in, are quickly. In cricket? No, no, we cheat. Um, <laughs> I have to ask you, though, how come you guys change prime minister every other week? Like, what? I don't know. We just want to go through everyone's names, and there's only eight. Yeah. Tony, Keith, Bob. Huh. How about we give you Donald Trump, you give us Lane and Mick Fanning? I'll give you Lane and uh, Carl Sanderlands. He's a radio host. Yeah? Throw in a shark, and we got a deal. Yeah, we yeah. got a deal. Um, I was speaking to a 12-year-old over there uh, who will kill me for pointing him out. Um, There's a 12-year-old uh, there? Yep. There he is there. Uh, Cardence. So Cardence is starting his own business at the moment. He's only started this week. What, so What took you so long? <laughs> <laughs> and he's got his mum there, Anthea, and he's, he's starting the business, but he, he, he thought with Anthea that he would come here and see if he could pick up some, some tips first. <laughs> Um, so Next session will be great. <laughs> yeah. The idea behind it is that he's creating um, content for real estate agents. They give him all the images, and what he does is he, he applies motion and some graphics, obviously through Canva. Yeah, obviously. Uh, and, um, and, and then applies in another marketplace like Fiverr to get voiceovers, and then he sells it back to the real estate agents so they have more you know, uh, mobile-first video for yeah. what is traditionally quite a bit of a, a boring area. Do, 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 you, um, do you put a camera in a house and do a 3D so you can create a 3D and walk through the house too? Oh, catch up, Cadence. So he's 12 once again. No, I'm just asking. <laughs> do you? 64. Yeah. No. But no. But that's uh, the, that's where it's going. Of course. Yeah. I have a I have a friend in the real estate business, and literally, there's a you yeah. know they come Huge. in, they set up a camera, the camera yeah, just yeah. rotates, and then you can walk through the house. It's a beautiful thing. On, on VR. Yeah. yeah. That, that's no, not VR. Fun. Just just it's just you know you're walking through the house in 3D. I mean, it's very nice. Wipe your feet. Shoes off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Um, how can we, because you've been very generous to us today, how can we help you? Uh, obviously use Canva. Yep. Drive a Mercedes. Yep. 
Try Privy. I'm on the board of directors of Privy. Yeah. Privy is like, you know, think of Privy as Instagram meets Slack. Yep, that was Simon Hudson. Yeah, that was Simon Hudson, the guy before. He founded um, that. I'm having, I have a new book coming out at the end of this coming February. It's called Wise Guy. And it's uh, basically, it's stories from my life and what I learned, the wisdom from each story. So it's a short uh, book. I, um, <laughs> uh, it's got more readers than Tribe has customers. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. and he's right, and it hasn't even launched yet. Yeah. <laughs> Jules, you know, I could have you for breakfast, Jules. I know. Okay. So, <laughs> I think I think you started it, my friend. <laughs> no, but so. So I, I want to be clear that, you know, Wise Guy is not my bio, autobiography or memoir. It's not like that. It's more like if you've read uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Oh, yeah. 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 But it's all my stories. It's more, think of it as like miso soup for the soul. <laughs> um, and I, I know we have two seconds, but what are they going to do? Like not invite us back if we're late? Yeah. 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 Right. So I'm going to tell you one story um, that... <laughs> That is illustrative. They, they won't invite me back. Yeah, uh, that's not my problem. Um, <laughs> it's flashing red. Yeah. Uh, so I actually tell you two stories because I like to overpromise and under. No, I like to underpromise and overdo. So story number one is, uh, I'm at. I, I was at the time. This is before Mercedes. I owned a Porsche 911. This is like 15 years ago. So I pull up to this stop sign. Uh, in, in Silicon Valley, and I look to my left, there's a car with four teenage girls smiling at me, making eye contact, giggling and all that, right? So the girl in the front seat motions to roll down the window. So I'm thinking, yeah, I finally arrived. Even teenage girls know who I am. It's because of my Apple background, my speeches, my writing, you know, just like, um, you know. So I'm thinking all that. She, she, I roll down the window. She rolls down her window, and she says to me, are you Jackie Chan? <laughs> Speaking of rolling a Chinaman. And so, 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 so ever since that day, it's been my goal in life that someday Jackie Chan is in Hong Kong in his Bentley and some teenage girl <laughs> says, Jackie, roll down your window. And she says to him, are you Guy Kawasaki? <laughs> okay, that's story number one. We're already, let the thing blink. Um, so one day, uh, my wife and I were living in San Francisco uh, on uh, Union Street, where it dead ends into the Presidio. So that area, to put it into context, is just like one of the nicest places in... If I were more familiar with Melbourne, I would pick a local area. If you're familiar with Sydney, I would say the equivalent is kind of like Balmoral, okay? So nice area. So I'm out in front, and I'm clipping the hedge. And this older white woman comes up to me and says, do you do lawns? <laughs> okay, so, so I'm not going to let her off the hook. I say to her, so because I'm Japanese, you think I'm the yard man, right? And she goes, no, no, it's because you're doing a great job. Do you do lawns? So that's a good enough story there about typecasting and, you know, all that. So then two weeks later, my father visits me. I'm third generation. He's second generation American. And, he, and I say to him, let me tell you this story. I tell him the story. And I fully expect him to go off, right? Like, you know, mm. so this white woman thought <laughs> you were a, a gardener. She doesn't realize that you went to Stanford and, and you worked for Apple and you're a high-tech success and all that, you know? I fully expect him to totally go off. And you know what he says to me? Mm. He says, where you live, son, 
mathematically, statistically, probability, Japanese-American clipping the hedge, you were the gardener. Yeah. So get over it. <laughs> and that was a pivotal moment in my life because it taught me don't look for problems, don't assume the worst about people, give people a break, you know, and freaking man up. Don't yeah. be so sensitive. And that was a pivotal moment in my life. So the book is full of stories like that. It's perfect. Big round of applause. All right, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for tuning in. To keep up to date with all things Startup Grind, visit us at startupgrind.com or join us at an event in a city near you. Until next time, chase the vision and keep hustling. <laughs>